Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Truth Seekers Podcast. A truth seeker is someone who wants to know the truth. They search for what's true and they won't rest until they find it. I am a truth seeker and if you are too, then you've come to the right place where we will search for truth each week in the stories of the Bible. Well, hello and welcome back. If you've been following along, then you know we last left Esther in a dire situation. Haman had requested that the king make a law that decreed all Jews living in the Persian Empire be put to death. Well, this was horrible news indeed, for Esther herself was a Jew. The king did not know this. He did not know that he had just ordered a decree that would have his own wife, the queen, killed. Esther knew she must do something, but what? The law stated that no one, not even the queen, could go before the king unless she were summoned by him, and the king had not summoned her in weeks. But Esther knew where her help came from. She knew she was not alone and that the God of the Israelites was on her side. She called Mordecai and all of her attendants to fast and pray for three days. Do you know what it means to fast? To fast means to go without something, and Esther went without food for three days as she prayed to the Lord and sought his help. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. What must have been going through her mind in that moment? Was her heart beating fast? Were her hands sweating? As Esther stood in front of the opening to the king's hall, the king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. What would he do? Would he accept her? Or would he be angry that she had come uninvited? When the king saw Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Esther had found favor in the sight of the king. Not only did the king grant her the ability to come forward and speak with him, he then asked her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom it will be given to you. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king together with Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we may do what Esther asks. Esther had prepared a banquet for the king and Haman. She had prepared food and drink for the king and Haman to be her guests that day. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. As they were drinking and eating, the king again asked Esther, Now what is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Surely this was the moment. Surely now Esther would tell the king she was a Jew and that his law would harm her and her people. But something kept Esther from saying anything. She knew it was not quite the right time yet. So Esther replied, My petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with favor, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. Well, Haman went out that day happy and in high spirits. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate 
and observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. Calling together his friends and Zeresh his wife, Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him, and how he had been elevated above the other nobles and officials. And that's not all, Haman added. I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave, and she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. His wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, Have a pole set up, reaching to a height of fifty cubits, and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai impaled on it. Then go with the king to the banquet and enjoy yourself. This suggestion delighted Haman, and he had the pole set up. Oh my, it seems that Haman's wife was no better than he was. That night, the king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. And as it was being read to him, the king suddenly took notice. He listened carefully. He remembered. It was found recorded there that Mordecai had exposed two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. Suddenly he remembered. Mordecai had saved his life. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. The king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about killing Mordecai on the pole he had set up for him. His attendants answered, Haman is standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. When Haman entered, the king asked him, What should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought to himself, Who is there that the king would rather honor than me? Haman thought the king was talking about him. He had no idea that the king was thinking about honoring Mordecai. So Haman answered the king, thinking he was talking about himself. For the man the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn, and a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on his head. Then let the robe and horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, This is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. The king thought this was an excellent idea. He said, Go at once, and commanded Haman, Get the robe and the horse and do just as you have suggested for Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything you have recommended. Wait, what did the king just say? Mordecai? Surely Haman thought the king was talking about himself. When Haman realized the king was talking about Mordecai, his heart must have filled with rage. How dare the king honor Mordecai, a man who refused to bow to him and give him honor? So what could Haman do? He had no choice. Haman got the robe and the horse. He robed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, This is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. 
How humiliating that must have been for Haman. Afterward, Mordecai returned to the king's gate. But Haman rushed home with his head covered in grief and told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had happened to him. His advisors and his wife, Zeresh, said to him, Since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. He's a Jew. Have you not heard about the God of the Israelites, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You surely will come to ruin. They did not know how prophetic their words were. While they were still talking with him, the king's servants arrived and hurried Haman away to the banquet Esther had prepared. So the king and Haman went to the queen's banquet, and as they were drinking and eating on the second day, the king again asked Queen Esther, What is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom it will be granted. And here was Queen Esther's moment. Finally, the moment had come. Would she have the courage? Would she have the strength to say what she needed to say? I'm sure she prayed under her breath in that moment, Oh Lord, give me the right words. Oh Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Yahweh the Great I Am, be my strength, be my courage, give me the words to say. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition, and spare my people. This is my request, for I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Xerxes immediately asked Queen Esther, Who is he? Where is he? The man who has dared to do such a thing. Esther said, An adversary, an enemy, this man here, this vile Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen, realizing what was happening. The king got up in a rage and went out into the palace garden. But Haman, realizing that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining, begging, pleading Esther for his life. The king exclaimed, Will he even bother the queen while she is with me in the house? As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the king's servants, said, A pole reaching to a height of fifty cubits stands by Haman's house. He had it set up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. He was planning to kill Mordecai on that pole. The king said, Let it be done to Haman what he was planning to do to Mordecai. The same day, King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, and Mordecai came into the presence of the king, for Esther had told how he was related to her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had reclaimed from Haman, and presented it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed him over Haman's estate, over everything Haman owned. It now belonged to Mordecai. Esther again pleaded with the king, falling at his feet and weeping. She begged him to put an end to the evil plan of Haman the Agagite, which he had devised against the Jews. The king extended the gold scepter to Esther, and she arose and stood before him. 
If it pleases the king, she said, and if he regards me with favor and thinks it the right thing to do, and if he is pleased with me, let an order be written overruling the dispatches that Haman, son of Hamadatha the Agagite, devised and wrote to destroy the Jews in all the king's provinces. For how can I bear to see disaster fall on my people? How can I bear to see the destruction of my family? King Xerxes replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Because Haman attacked the Jews, I have given his estate to Esther. Now write another decree in the king's name on behalf of the Jews as seems best to you, and seal it with the king's signet ring, for no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. At once the royal secretaries were summoned. On the twenty-third day of the third month, the month of Sivan, they wrote out all Mordecai's orders to the Jews and to the satraps, governors, and nobles of the 127 provinces stretching from India to Kush. These orders were written in the script of each province and the language of each people, and also to the Jews in their own script and language. Mordecai wrote in the name of King Xerxes, sealed the dispatches with the king's signet ring, and sent them by mounted couriers who rode fast horses, especially bred for the king. The king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and protect themselves, to destroy and fight back the armed men of any nationality or province who might attack them and their women and children, and to plunder the property of their enemies. The day appointed for the Jews to do this in all the provinces of King Xerxes was the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so that the Jews would be ready on that day to protect themselves and to fight for themselves against their enemies. The couriers riding the royal horses went out spurred on by the king's command and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. When Mordecai left the king's presence, he was wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold and a purple robe of fine linen. And the city of Susa held a joyous celebration. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor. In every province and in every city to which the edict of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews, with feasting and celebrating. And many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. They realized this people, they're a unique chosen people set apart by God himself. So many of other nationalities became Jews themselves. Instead of fighting against them, they became one with them. On the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, the edict commanded by the king was to be carried out. On this day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but now the tables were turned and the Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them. The Jews assembled in their cities in all the provinces of King Xerxes to attack those who determined to destroy them. No one could stand against them because the people of all the other nationalities were afraid of them. And all the nobles of all the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and the king's administrators helped the Jews because fear of Mordecai had seized them. Mordecai was powerful and prominent and important in the palace. His reputation spread throughout the provinces and he became more and more powerful.
And so Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes near and far to have them celebrate every year the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar as the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies and as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into a day of celebration. He wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy and giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews agreed to continue the celebration they had begun, doing what Mordecai had written to them. And this celebration became known as Purim. Purim comes from the word pur, which means a lot or to cast lots, because Haman had cast a lot against the Jews for their destruction, but they had turned it around and overcome. God had been their strength and their very present help in time of trouble. And so from this day forward, they would celebrate Purim as a time of celebrating what God had done and celebrating that God had not left them alone in a foreign land, that God had been their defender. Mordecai told the people that these days should be remembered and observed in every generation, by every family, and in every province, and in every city. And these days of Purim should never fail to be celebrated by the Jews, nor should the memory of these days die out among their descendants. So Queen Esther, along with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm this second letter concerning Purim. And Mordecai sent letters to all the Jews in the 127 provinces of Xerxes' kingdom, words of goodwill and assurance, to establish these days of Purim at their designated times, as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had decreed for them. Esther's decree confirmed these regulations about Purim, and it was written down in the records. Dear truth seekers, what truth do we find in today's story? What did you learn as you were listening? I think one of the most powerful truths we find in today's story is that God is always moving and working even when we cannot see him. It was not a coincidence that the king could not sleep. It was not a coincidence that the exact record was read to him of how Mordecai had saved his life. It was not a coincidence that Esther was chosen to be the next queen. When you are a child of God, there are no coincidences. God is in control. He is in everything. He works all things together and he always has a plan, even when we cannot see it. We must be like Esther and Mordecai and seek his face, call out to him, cry to him for help when we don't know what to do. And soon we will see his answers come to pass. Esther and Mordecai sought God for help. They did not sit by and do nothing. They prayed hard. God hears your prayers. He hears when you call to him and he answers. We might not always see the ways in which he is answering our prayers, but he is. And as we trust him, soon he comes and destroys our enemies and gives us back all the things the enemy tried to take from us. I love how Mordecai was given all of Haman's things, all of his money, his houses, and everything he owned. Mordecai was placed in a seat of honor. Did Mordecai plot and manipulate and try to make that happen? No, he simply trusted the Lord and the Lord did it for him. Hold fast, my friends. If it looks like things are falling apart around you, God is working all things together for his good. He will fight the battle for you. If you'd like to read today's story in your Bible, you can find it in Esther chapters 5 through 9. Let me pray with you before we go. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are always moving behind the scenes, even when we cannot see you. Sometimes you move slowly and sometimes you move fast. 
Help us to put our trust in you, but most importantly, help us to never stop praying and coming to you for help. We choose to stay on our knees before you because you are the only one who can save and work all things together for good. We trust you to do this in our lives. Oh God, we are your servants, just like Esther and Mordecai. We are ready to be used for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you know what time it is. I've got some reviews to read to you. This review comes from Emma. She says, hello from the Porters, Creed, Clover, and Gemma, ages four, two, and three months. This podcast has become one of the biggest blessings in teaching our children about the Lord, not just his love and grace, but also the consequences of our sin and his holy justice throughout history, life and death, victories and failures. You cover it all and keep it truthful and understandable. And my husband and I have noticed a massive shift in the kids' understanding of the Lord. Creed has started making up his own psalms and sings them loudly before falling asleep. And Clover retells the stories to us while we're driving in the car. Thank you for helping us show them that scripture is exciting, powerful, and a daily need. God bless you for your hard work and commitment to truth for our little seekers. Thank you so much, Emma, for that. And I love that you call them your little seekers. That's precious to me. And so thank you, Creed, Clover, and Gemma for listening. And I just pray blessings over all of you. All right, this next review says, I am 72 years young and taught kindergarten north of Atlanta for 35 years. You certainly have a gift from God, speaking God's love, truth, and wisdom to all ages. Thank you, Debbie. Debbie, thank you so much for leaving that review. I love that you are a teacher, and that's my heart. I was a teacher too for many years, and so thank you for sharing that with me. What a blessing I'm sure you have been to many, many children. Um, So thank you for tuning in and listening. I love that. All right, this next review says, it's so easy for me to understand the stuff in the Bible. I listen to it at night and in the car. I love it. That was from 123 Horse Lover. Thank you so much. All right, this next review says, love your podcast. You give so much glory to God and you are blessed. Well, thank you so much for that review. And now we have a message. This message comes from Isla May. She says, this is Isla May. I like your episodes about the book of Daniel. And this is from Justin, her dad. He says, that was my six-year-old Isla May. I love that she enjoys your podcast. She's booted me from enjoying my favorite morning podcast while waiting for the bus to arrive. Thank you for the time you put into this show. Thank you, Justin, for allowing True Seekers podcast to um, take precedent over your morning podcast. So (laughs) I appreciate that. And thank you for listening, Isla May. That's a beautiful name. All right, our next message comes from Aspen. He says, hello, my name is Aspen and I am seven years old. I love True Seekers. It has helped me when I write letters to God in my journal at night. Me and my mom believe True Seekers has helped my faith. God bless you. That's from Aspen Ray McLeod. I hope I said that right. But Aspen, thank you so much for sharing that with me. I love that you write letters to God in your journal at night. I know he sees them and hears your prayers and sees your heart and sees you. And I love that um, your faith has been growing. So God bless you too. All right, this next message comes from New Delhi, India, and I hope I say this correctly, from Sarah Nivedita. She says, hi, Sherilyn. Thank you for teaching me the truth of the Bible in such a wonderful way. I'm so grateful for all that you do and for God's work through you. I'm six and a half years old, and your podcast is what I 
is what I listen to as I go to bed. Love and prayers from New Delhi, India. I love that the podcast has reached you in New Delhi, and I just pray love and blessings over you as well. Thank you for reaching out. All right, everyone, that's all for today. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to our time together next week.